The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, where pretty much anything goes. And today just happens to be National Radio Day, which is uh, exciting because it also marks the my 21st year, or it's been 21 years, of doing Passion Radio every single night for 21 years. And it marks my 30th year in radio talking about sex. How lucky am I that I get to talk about this for all these years? <laughs> every night. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk about how the pandemic is affecting our sexual fantasies, what to do if your partner's penis doesn't fit, and other stories and research and such that I will share with you. But first... Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me as well to laurie at drlaurie.com. So a couple of uh, texts here that were uh, leftovers. Curious to know what most women think of when masturbating, if anything. So I'm I'm curious, why would you think it would be any different than what men uh, think of? Women fantasize just like men fantasize, period. Uh, Some women like to look at uh, visual imagery, porn. A lot of women get turned on by more erotic stories as well. So fantasy, that's uh, same for for both both genders. Texter wants to know, what is making a woman to be gang-banged? Just wondering. So let me see if I get this right. So are you asking uh, women whose fantasy or in reality might be to have multiple sex partners at once. So you have some, some women who are maybe highly sexual and have a lot of desire and who practice uh, non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy with their partners. We, we certainly hear about uh, these kinds of things when we have uh, our alter- alternative sex panel. Uh, Lexi Silver has talked about that certainly and you know going to a sex club and having sex with multiple people or joining some sex party and having lots of partners I don't know how to answer the what would make somebody do this versus what would make somebody do something else it's a question of uh, openness of uh your own personality, your needs. Some people are really good with monogamy and are perfectly satisfied in monogamous relationships. Others feel they are not monogamous and prefer to have multiple sex partners. Others practice sex as play in in that respect, like going to sex clubs and things like that. It's hard to say. Like, I I don't think there's one characteristic that would... uh, um, except for certainly openness, um, but that doesn't mean you can't be open and not practice that, right? So it's really hard to to profile someone who's into a, a particular sexual practice or has particular uh, sexual fantasies as well. 514-800. Hey, if you uh, want to answer this, uh, what what do women think of when they are uh, masturbating? <laughs> you can 
certainly help out our listener and let us know. Uh, we got a text here, or rather an email. Last night's show was awesome. I fell asleep with a feel-good feeling. The poem had a special meaning to me because I lost my virginity at a drive-in and Grease was playing. I remember the song Beauty School Dropout had started and we were done before the song ended, LOL. <laughs> Yourself, Mallory, and Mark are the perfect radio trio. It was interesting, educational, and was just a lot of fun uh, listening. Thank you. <laughs> No, thank you. Uh, Last night's show, another one wrote, was fantastic. Both my wife and I, both millennials, are super big fans of the Baby Boomer show. The topics were great. The two guests uh, were great. And as always, you were great. The three of you seem to click well and have fun. Every Boomer show, we learn something new. We were wondering, what do the three of you do during breaks? P.S. In the poem, there was a mention about being in a backseat at a drive-in. Did couples really have sex in the car at a drive-in? Back then, uh, you know, even before that, they used to call it... uh, uh, parking. <laughs> so couples had nowhere to go, right? So the cars were, uh, were pretty much places where, uh, teenagers had sex. Drive-in movies were a big thing. They certainly, they weren't as big when, when I was a kid, yes, as families, we would go to the drive-in movie. Uh, but prior to my generation, drive-in movies were like the big thing, right? That was where uh, you went on dates. That's where you made out in cars. That's where probably a lot of people lost their uh, their virginity as well. Uh, let's see. I was in a gangbang once. I didn't plan it. I was young, bored, and went to the mountain and met three guys who shared alcohol with me, and I got kind of drunk. Uh, so I'm not sure if did you describe, would you describe that as a positive experience, as a negative experience, as a traumatic experience? Um, was it, uh, something you chose or something you didn't choose? Cause those would be very, very different experiences. Hi, Dr. Lori. Congratulations on those major career anniversaries. Great, seemingly unlimited enthusiasm alongside. You know, it's hard not to be enthusiastic about a topic as fascinating as sexuality, I guess. Um, Dr. Laura, I cannot tell you how much we enjoyed last night's Baby Boomer show. The chemistry that the three of you have is amazing. The poem brought back memories for both of us. We think life was much better when we were teens. TV was better, too. Carol Burnett, Sonny and Cher, we even remember later years of the Ed Sullivan show. The Christmas specials, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Dean Martin, Christmas had more meaning. That's when entire families watched something together on TV. Uh, We were surfing the net looking for an oldie but goodie movie to watch, and we found one neither of us has seen since we were teens. We're going to watch It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, three hours and 30-minute movie. Anyone who is anyone back then is in that movie. We remember the opening credits of cast to last about five minutes. Still rated as one of the best comedy movies ever made. I don't, you can't remember the last time I saw that. Anyone of any age will enjoy this movie even today. We will enjoy it and think back when we first saw it, and it will be the first time we watch it together. In our opinion, The Boomer Show is the best. Uh, well, thank you for that. We uh, do always have a lot of fun on the Boomer Show because I'm a Boomer too. I'm a Boomer. You're a Boomer. Never mind. Uh, okay, coming up on the program, I've got lots of stuff that uh, I want to share with you. Of course, if you have a question uh, that 
you know, I haven't answered now, that's okay. You can send it along and I'll answer it throughout the show. You are welcome to give me your two cents of any of the uh, stories that I'm going to uh, share with you. Of course, we'll have our stupid sex story of the day after 1030. Uh, but we'll focus a little bit on uh, the pandemic and how it is affecting not just our sexuality in general, but our sexual fantasies. Also, interesting news out of China in terms of their uh, sale of uh, sex toys and um, birth control methods and condoms. So they're studying that. So I got a, a hold of that. And what to do if your partner's penis doesn't fit. And th- this was an article, so I thought I would share it with you since it's a question that often comes up in terms of penis size here. <laughs> messages here and by the way uh, happy national radio day to uh, all of our uh, all of my colleagues in radio land uh, i saw greece at a drive-in was a double date we were not going for the movie there's your answer but we ended up really liking the movie what's not to like it greece is probably one of my favorite favorite all-time movies i remember at the age of uh, maybe 12 or 14 I could lip sync that entire album, and that's all we ever did. Uh, Dr. Lurie, I've experienced the parking experience. However, with these new smaller and smaller vehicles, do the young people have to be contortionists? Can't imagine how it could be done. Maybe the parents buy a small car for a reason. Back then, we had big-ass cars. Like, you're talking about first, no seatbelts, and the they, the front seat was, there were no bucket seats back then. Uh, it was like long rows, right, of, of the seats. So there was far more room uh, to, uh, to fool around back then. But when I was a teenager, I didn't have that kind of car. I didn't go around. I had a tiny little uh, Honda Civic was my first car at the age of uh, 16. So no, uh, the movie Porky's was great at the drive-in theater, right? Uh, yes. So drive-in theaters, maybe they're coming back, you know, with, uh, with COVID, we know that uh, hasn't a couple of, uh, drive-in theaters opened up. Maybe, I don't know. Sometimes I feel we're going back to like older, simpler ways of doing things. Anyway, Speaking of the pandemic, uh, how is the pandemic affecting our sexual fantasies? Yes, there is research, sex research on, on all kinds of aspects of our sexuality when it comes to how we are managing during uh, the pandemic. So um, my colleague, Justin uh, Lee Miller uh, from the Kinsey Institute, along with some colleagues from the Kinsey Institute, started a study in mid-March to explore the impact of the pandemic on people's sex lives and in relationships. So the first wave of, of data, one of the things that they found was that many people reported making new additions to their sex lives during lockdown and quarantine. And one of the most commonly reported new additions was sharing and acting on one's sexual fantasies. Then they did subsequent waves of data collection and they asked more questions on a variety of topics, including specific questions about sexual fantasies. 
Uh, so this is what we're talking about now. They asked participants whether they've noticed a change in the frequency of their sexual fantasies since the pandemic began. About 4% of the participants said they don't have sexual fantasies, but here's what the remaining 96% said about how their fantasy frequency has changed. 8% said they are fantasizing a lot more. 27% said they are fantasizing a little more. 40% said they are fantasizing about the same as before. 17% said they are fantasizing a little less. 9% said they are fantasizing a lot less. I wonder what um, what you would answer to uh, to that very question. Would love to hear it. Uh, so the majority of the participants, about 60%, said they've experienced some change in their uh, fantasy frequency with about a third in people saying they're fantasizing more and a quarter saying they're fantasizing uh, less. However, uh, frequency of fantasies appears to be higher now than it was before uh, the pandemic. They also asked participants to report on the reasons why they were fantasizing right now. The single most common reason for fantasizing during the pandemic was to enhance sexual arousal, which of course is the most common reason people fantasize anyway. But um, less than half of participants reported this reason. Large numbers said they were fantasizing because they needed escape, they were bored, they needed to relax, and or they were attempting to meet unfulfilled uh, needs, which suggests that many people are using their fantasies in a more, let's say, therapeutic way, like as a form of self-care right now. 65% of people reported fantasizing for one of these reasons than uh, rather to enhance uh, sexual arousal. So fantasizing or a sexual fantasy seems to be uh, a coping mechanism during times of high stress. Uh, text writes in, I'm a male fantasizing about the same. So I don't know, maybe those who are experiencing uh, like higher levels of stress maybe are finding a way to escape. Like not everybody in these pandemic times are experiencing high levels of stress. Many are, let me tell you, many, many are. Many couples are, many couples with young kids are. Uh, yes, they, they, they are experiencing more stress. But then I'm, I talk to a lot of other people who tell me that the pandemic is the best thing that happened to their family or to the relationship where they were able to reconnect and spend more time together and all of these things. Not to say that there aren't stressors, but that they were grateful for this time that they, they don't know if they would have had been able to, to do this had they not been like forced, let's say into quarantine or spending more time at home and playing more board games and doing more things within the family rather than everybody kind of going out and doing their own thing. So uh, I found that to be, uh, to be quite interesting. 514-800 would love to hear uh, some of your thoughts on any of the questions, topics that we are discussing uh, tonight. So, um, China, of course, uh, they put out their own uh, research. So JD.com is one of China's biggest e-commerce players, has released research on consumer purchasing habits around sex toys and related products after it noticed that people's habits changed due to COVID-19. 
it's almost inevitable that our habits are going to change to some degree, but this is again within the sex industry, right? Uh, so it saw dramatic changes in related search keywords when people in China went into lockdown as it drove a huge increase in demand for contraceptives and stimulated long distance partners desire to make purchases for their counterparts from afar. Uh, the aircraft cup, also known as the masturbation cup and the vibrator ranked as the top men and women's adult products respectively, followed by simulation dolls. So I guess, uh, blow up dolls and such and egg vibrators, uh, lingerie, other adult toys and simulation dolls ranked the top three in terms of traffic for men's products. It so happens that the largest doll merchants are from Wuhan, uh, explaining some of the impact on inflatable dolls this year. What's going to happen when there's a shortage of inflatable dolls? I, I don't think I've ever met a gentleman or I've spoken to who's ever admitted to me anyway, that they have an inflatable doll at home. Do you know anybody who's, or have you ever used an inflatable doll. I didn't realize they were so popular. At least they're very popular in China, but how popular are they here? I'd love to, uh, to hear from some of our, our listeners on that. The growth of condoms increased by, uh, the growth, the sales rather, uh, by nearly 50% remote orders for condoms and contraceptives, uh, went up with the number of emergency contraceptives purchased reaching 150% more in May compared to the same period last year. And, um, Wow. So that's uh, very interesting. And in 2020, the purchase of products for the opposite sex by women increased by about 30%. So women buying stuff, uh, for their, uh, their male partners, intercity orders increased by 120%. Uh, so a lot of people, I guess, live in, I mean, China's massive, right? So they live in maybe different counties in China or what have you. And so a lot of long distance relationships and they were taking care of their sexual needs. What can I tell you? A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Here is your stupid sex story of the day. This is the headline. You tell me if you agree. Eating McDonald's without your partner is as bad as cheating, according to one in 10 people. <laughs> I don't know where this comes from. This is a study reveals just how much people love their McDonald's. I can't believe that uh, a breakup could be caused by a McDonald's, but for some people, their partner sneaking off to get a Big Mac without them is grounds for separation. A new study of a thousand fast food fans has found just how much people love their regular Mickey's. According to the research, one in 10 people would consider their partner having a McDonald's without them as bad as cheating. How stupid is that? 
Uh, of the thousand who were quizzed, one in 20 shockingly confessed they would even break up with their partner if they went to the drive through without them. This has got to be an American's research. <laughs> uh, McDonald's fans were left yearning for the fast food restaurant's meals during the peak of lockdown, which meant huge queues when the chain reopened earlier uh, this year. Some people missed their McDonald's so much they admitted that after months without fast food, they would take a Big Mac over a uh, pay raise. Oh my goodness. Really? One in 10 people said they would rather get rid of their phone than be parted from McDonald's again. Some people even said they would rather give up alcohol if they were given the choice. Gotta be gotta be an American study and stupid. I told you it was a stupid sex story. I don't lie. A couple of texts here. Um, <laughs> you need to start this as a segment, stupid sex stories. I love the idea. Well, we've been doing it all week. So every day at 10 30, you get a stupid sex story of the day from me. Uh, eating a McDonald's without a partner is doing them a favor, but partner will know you were there because they will smell for days of McDonald's. Yeah. If you ever have it in your car, it stinks for days, right? Um, let's see at 17 years old, my friend and I ordered a blow up doll from an ad in Playboy, 22 bucks, really cheap quality. We filled it with helium and put it up the flagpole at our high school in Chateauguay. Howard S. Billings was worth every cent made the front page of the local newspaper. You're a badass. Yeah, fun. All right, here's a, a, something I want to talk to you about. And I saw the article, which was very uh, fitting, excuse the pun, because just the other day we were talking about this. We were talking about penis size and we were talking about vagina sizes. Some, somebody had brought up, well, wait a minute, maybe it's not the size of the penis, maybe it's the size of the vagina. So let's talk about this for a minute because we only seems that we only ever talk about um, penis size. That's what everybody's worried about, right? Is it too big? Is it too small? Uh, is, there, uh, is there a right size? What's the right size? What's the average? How many times do you figure I get that question? In, in 21 years, how many times do you figure I got that question? I wish I had taken a tally, but hundreds, hundreds of times, right? But did you know that there is also an average depth for the vaginal canal? The vaginal canal stretches when a person is turned on in the same way that a penis grows during arousal. So according to Masters and Johnson, who were the first to kind of do a lot of this uh, biological sex research, the average depth for an unaroused vagina of someone who has never given birth is 2.8 to 3.1 inches and when aroused, 3.7 to 4.1 inches. So you're thinking in your head how you're, how's it all fitting together, right? Uh, according to Planned Parenthood, unaroused vaginas can range from 2 to 4 inches and be aroused from 4 to 8 inches. So that's later research, okay? So obviously there's a, a, a huge uh, range, but there are some couples where they feel that they are mismatched 
in size, right? So let's say a person has a vagina that is four inches when aroused, so relatively a small canal, and their partner that has a penis that is seven inches when aroused, only about half of that penis is going to fit fully into the uh, vagina. Uh, apparently, it the uh, penis and vagina size is even referenced in the Kama Sutra, you know, the, the ancient Sanskrit on love, sex, and marriage. So what they have done, the Kama Sutra specifies animals for different genitalia size. For, for penises, the hair is a small, the hair meaning the, the little rabbit, the bull is medium, and the horse is large. For vaginas, they call the, a small vagina a deer, a medium one a mare, and a large one an elephant. And in that text, it says that a horse and a mare are an unequal union. In other words, the penis is not going to fit well in that vagina. Well, a hare and an elephant, that won't fit, fit great either because the penis will be too small for that vagina. So what does this all uh, mean? Of course, in, in those situations where there's, there's truly a, a mismatch, it's true. It may not go all the way in. Of course, there's a lot of things you can still do besides uh, intercourse and people could explore far many different ways of, of having sex. But apparently, if you uh, consider your menstrual cycle and you have sex um, around your, uh, near ovulation, the, um, depending where you, you are in your uh, cycle, the cervix, which is basically at the, the end of your vaginal canal, the beginning of your uterus, your cervix will be lower and harder near your period, but near ovulation, it will be higher and softer. That means that it will be a better fit when you are close to ovulation. And just for you to know, in terms of rectums, rectums are uh, six to range from six to eight inches, so bigger than uh, the vaginal uh, canal. This is Passion on CJD eight hundred funny text here playboy once calculated with the number of women in new york city and the average size of a man's penis there were 11 miles of unused vagina <laughs> who comes up with things like that uh been with the elephant type called my friend told him if he does not hear from me the following day send a surge party lol uh, and if you're going too far, aren't you pretty much pushing, stretching into the anal area? You're actually pushing against the cervix, which is like the cover or the, the membrane between that holds the uterus up, up top there in place and, uh, the, and between that and the vagina. So you'd be pushing up against that. Now there are nerve endings there. And for some women, there's, uh, they can feel a pleasure from, uh, stimulation of that area. And for other women, it could be really, really painful. So it depends how you, uh, push on that, right? Uh, vag vagina size has a lot to do with bone structure, correct? Well, it has to do with, uh, sure your pelvic structure, 
and all of that. So it, it does, but there are many other factors that go into it as well. If you notice, I talked about the, the, uh, the one that hasn't had children. So one that has children might be bigger, uh, longer, etc. But they, I, I, I want to add something because if you're experiencing a mismatch with your partner, the article talks about this, there are some things you can do to make penis and vagina sex feel better. First, make sure you're really turned on before your partner enters you. And that ensures that your cervix is as far up in your body as possible. Of course, because you don't necessarily want to hit it. That can hurt. Uh, you can ease entry with a high-quality lube, which will, will obviously help things slide around better. And finally, there uh, there's a recommendation to use uh, uh, penis rings. Like there's they're kind of stackable penis rings that your partner can wear in order to control the depth of penetration so that it stops it from going any further because of course you don't want to hurt your partner right uh let's see now let me talk about this myths about desire and sex and maybe the surprising truth so this is a little bit of trivia for you so number one myth is that men always want it more not true um in many cases, in long-term relationships, men and women are equally likely to be the member of the couple with lower sexual desire. So I think that's really uh, important. That's according to research. So it's not always the guy that wants it more and the woman that wants it less. Another myth, a pink pill is the only hope. Uh, for women, low sexual desire can go hand in hand with a feeling of disconnection. Their bodies might be doing one thing, their minds something completely different. But the effects of, the, of a drug that was approved for use by women with low desire, it was called filbanserin, we talked about it many times on the show, are, it's quite ambiguous. Like there's uh, more side effects, not really that effective, very expensive, there are other ways to do this and it's there that magic pill is there is no magic pill that's the the bottom line you can't just take a pill and get horny there's no horny pill uh, but there are things that have been shown and proven to improve uh, sexual desire like mindfulness meditation uh, that really helps and also looking at other things that affect desire like depression, anxiety, poor self-esteem, marital issues, all of these things affect desire and should be um, addressed. Another myth, myth, first comes desire, then comes sex. Ooh, I've talked about this many, many times. Uh, that is really not the way we look at it uh, anymore, right? For some, sometimes... Um, you need to be stimulated first for women, especially first, and then the desire kicks in. It, it's not like there's a spark and then you want to have sex. Sometimes this, the sex generates the spark. So that's really important to know. And finally, uh, a taste for power play is abnormal. This is a myth. Um, this is about domination and uh, submission. The this is sexual power dynamics. Apparently, this the appeal for this is quite widespread. Of course, after uh, reading you know 
people who are fans of, uh, of those kinds of romance novels and Fifty Shades of Grey and all of that. Uh, so there's been plenty of, of data on this that has seen that um, there's a lot of BDSM porn and, and, and uh, themes in many of the mainstream erotica and, um, and that's quite popular with women as well. So those are some, some of the myths surrounding desire and, uh, sexuality. Spanish fly, just a myth, bought that too from an ad in Playboy. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a poison. You know that, right? Spanish fly is poisonous. Uh, not really sure that it works at all. Sometimes a little bit of alcohol or a little bit of weed helps for sexual desire. Um, you would be right that there's, uh, of course, alcohol. Uh, we know that we know that there, there's effects. Too much alcohol is one thing. Too much weed is another thing. But just the right amount could lower, like could make you relaxed enough to um, at least to allow the, the blood to flow much, much easier. So there is research being done now with, uh, with, uh, marijuana or CBD and things like that. So now that it's legal, we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of, uh, of these studies and, and, uh, the effects. But if you just talk anecdotally to people, they'll tell you, yes, that a little bit of weed or a little bit of alcohol helps them, um, relax to the point that it's, it's just easier to, to, to be receptive and your, the body responds, especially for people who are in their heads a lot. So this is just reported from, from, anecdotes from from people it doesn't work that way for everybody but for some yes so we're gonna get to see a little bit of stuff uh, about that uh, letting your girlfriend wife touch or put something in your butt does not make you gay mythbusters that's right clearly you've been listening to the show uh, anal play does not make a person gay and yet that's a question that comes up quite a bit you know from from guys saying oh does, if I like, um, if I like something in my, in my butt, like a vibrator or a butt plug, does that mean it's, you know, I, I might be like gay and I don't know it kind of thing. And of course the answer to that is, um, absolutely not. Um, I'm surprised I keep missing your segments. Another good one, myths about sex. That's also a good segment to do. Thank you. I, I like getting your ideas for different things that you would like on the show. Cause as you know, and I've told you, we are going into our 22nd year of passion next week. So Monday, yeah, we can celebrate together our anniversary. Not sure what we'll do uh, on Monday, but you know, it's COVID times, can't really do much, but it's okay. We'll just have fun together and uh, we can come up with different, um, different segments, different topic ideas, but I like that. The, your, your one sex myth of the day. That's a, that's a good one as well. So we'll see what, uh, what we do with that, but all taken under advisement because Hey, this show wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So, uh, your input matters to me. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Thanks to Nicole Proano, our technical producer tonight. Thank you to Linda DeLisi, our passion researcher. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. If you'd like past podcasts of this show, 
you can find uh, that on the CJD page on iHeart on the iHeart Radio app, our show page at cjd.com, on my personal website drlori.com on the Passion Radio tab, where you can get all the past shows, or if you have SoundCloud, you can find it there as well. So spread the word, spread the knowledge. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion. I feel like-